the father validated who the son was at the baptism. And Jesus said, you, you didn't hear that voice. You weren't present, but the father who's here on the witness stand, my next witness bears witness to who I really am. Where is Jesus in the Old Testament? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In Jesus' defense of His deity, He shared with the leaders in that day more than enough evidence to prove His divinity. Today, David teaches about the witness that Scripture provides to prove Jesus' presence and deity throughout the entire Bible in part two of Witnesses for the Defense. Now, here Jesus again is talking to the religious legalists and He's saying, the Father sent me into the world and You've not heard his voice validating me, but other people did. At Jesus' baptism, going back to that moment, the Father's voice boomed from heaven, and some people did hear it because they said they did. The Father's voice said, this is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father validated who the son was at the baptism. And Jesus said, you, you didn't hear that voice. You weren't present, but the Father who's here on the witness stand my." Next witness bears witness to who I really am. And Jesus then continues and says that not only have you not heard his voice, you've not seen his form. In other words, you don't know what God looks like. But he's hinting there that as I'm speaking right now, Jesus said, as God in human flesh, and as you see the revelation of who God is in human form before you, you're now hearing his voice and seeing his form. You know, dear friends, if you saw an ant that was having a bunch of water come upon it and potentially drown, and you loved that ant with all of your heart but saw the destruction that was going to come upon that ant, and you had all power and you wanted to save that ant, how would you do it? Obviously, you would become an ant. And in ant form, in ant language, you would tell that ant where that ant needed to go in order to be saved. That's what God the Father did. One God in three persons, he sent the Son into the world and He took on human form so that we could understand the message. And He spoke in human language so that we could understand the message. And He gave us this written word so that we can understand the message. And the Father with His speech and His form through His Son was giving testimony of who Jesus was so that He would come and save the world from its sin, save the world from the utter destruction that is coming upon Him. And Jesus then concluded and said, you do not have his words abiding in you, for you do not believe in the one whom the Father has sent. Jesus said, if you would just believe my words and put them in your heart, you would know it's true. For those of us who love Jesus, every time we read this book, it resonates deep within us that Jesus is who he says he is. Because these words in the book abide deeply within us. They prove in our inner being that Jesus is who he said he is. So there is a fourth witness now that Jesus calls to the stand, and that fourth witness is the Scripture. And we see that in the next verses. Look at verse 39. You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And I do not receive glory from people. Isn't that a great statement? Go back to verse 30. How do you avoid being a people pleaser? You make the master passion of your life doing the will of the Father. When you do that, the opinions of others don't greatly matter. Jesus did not come to get glory from people. He came solely to get glory from the Father, to please the Father. But I know that you would not have the love of God within you. 
I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Hold on. That's Moses. That's the final and fifth witness. But Jesus says something here about Moses that's absolutely interesting. In verse 46, he says, Moses wrote of me. Now, hold on to that. Jesus goes back in here and says, you folks are so intent on pleasing people, you can't see the glory of God right before you. And if you knew the scriptures, you would know that it points to me. If you knew the scriptures, you would know that Moses spoke of me. Let me spend a little time talking to you about this. The writings of Moses. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote about Jesus. Jesus said, if you'd really known the scriptures, you would have seen that I'm the one in those scriptures. Let's run through some of them. Uh, Jesus could have pointed to them, I'm sure like he did to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 when they were going home discouraged after the death of Jesus and a third person joins them and spends several hours unfolding the scripture and later they say we knew that he was unfolding the scripture and pointing to himself when they realized that third traveler was Jesus himself. Jesus probably said to those two and says to us and was hinting here that in Genesis 3.15, after the fall had occurred, there was a prophecy of a woman who would have a seed placed in her. That seed would be from the power of the Holy Spirit and conceive, Jesus was saying, myself, who would be the one who would crush the head of the serpent who has caused sin in your life. That seed is me, Jesus was saying. And then in Genesis chapter 11, when there was a call to Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to a nation he does not know, Jesus was saying, Abraham's a shadow of me, that that I am the one who came for the purpose of taking you to a new promised land. You don't know exactly where it is, but I do, and I'll take you there in assurance of salvation. In Genesis chapter 18, when Abraham and Sarah are infertile, and Jesus comes to them along with two other angels and assures them, and even at Sarah's age of 90 and and Abraham's age of 100, that a child is going to be given to them. That person who came to give them that assurance was Jesus. That's what he was saying here. I am the one Moses wrote about in Genesis 22. When Isaac was spared on that altar and the ram was offered, it was an angel of the Lord who appeared and gave that ram. Jesus is saying, that angel of the Lord was me. That was me. In Genesis 32, the wrestling match with Jacob all night long with an angel of the Lord, Jesus said, that angel was me. I'm the one who wrestled with Jacob all night long until finally his name was changed from Jacob Trickster to Israel, strength of God. That when Moses appeared at the burning bush and he asked the name of the Lord, the name that was given to him is I am who I am, the one speaking to Moses, Jesus said, that was me. I am who I am. Later in the Gospel of John, we'll see how Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And we also see that the cloud that led the Israelites by day and the fire that led them by night, Jesus was saying that cloud and that fire was me. I was the one present in that tabernacle who was leading the Israelites to the promised land. That Passover lamb that was talked about by Moses in Exodus. That Passover lamb is me. I am the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
And then all throughout the scriptures, we see other places that are referring to Jesus, like in Daniel 3 when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace. The text tells us there was a fourth who appeared to them. And Jesus probably said to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, but to us as well, that fourth person in the fire who saved them, that was me. In Isaiah 6, when Isaiah looks into the heavens and he sees one seated on a throne where the angels are crying out repeatedly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Later in John 12, 41, John tells us that person on the throne that Isaiah saw was Jesus. He's all throughout the Bible. He is greater than any character. All the characters in the Old Testament are foreshadows and types of Jesus coming into the world. For example, of all of the prophets, Jesus is the great prophet who speaks to us the truth of God and how to come home to him. With all of the kings, Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords of all of them. Among the shepherds who oversaw Israel, Jesus says, I am the great shepherd in John 10, and I'm the one who came like King David, who was a shepherd king. I come to you as a shepherd, but am also the king of kings and lord of lords. In the book of Judges, that is a foreshadowing of Jesus as the judge over all the universe. Everyone will appear before him. The temple that was constructed by David and Solomon, Jesus says, I am the completion of that temple. I am greater than the temple. Indeed, the veil that kept the people from getting into the Holy of Holies, that veil was uh, torn so that now all people can come to me by grace through faith with their sins forgiven. And indeed, all of you now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. All of you have your bodies which were given to you as gracious gifts from the Father. And when the Holy Spirit indwells you by believing in Jesus, you are the temple of God. Jesus was also saying that I am the greater Moses who was called by God to deliver his people from slavery, passing through the waters of the Red Sea to be given the law. I am the greater Moses who comes to you to to deliver you from the slavery of your sin, passing through the waters of baptism so that you can come to the Father and receive his moral law to live the way he wants you to live. And as Moses led the people to the promised land, so I am the greater Moses who leads you to heaven, the great promised land of God himself. Job a righteous man who did not deserve suffering. The evil one was allowed to attack him. Jesus said, I am the greater Job. I am perfectly righteous, and the enemy has attacked me. And as Job went through all kinds of suffering, ultimately to be double blessed by God, so I am the greater Job and have gone to the cross in suffering, been raised from the dead, and been able to give all of you the first fruits of eternal life through my resurrection. Jesus said, I am the greater Gideon. When Gideon was a coward, afraid of the Midianites, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Jesus was saying, I'm that angel. I am the one who appeared to Gideon. And as Gideon was cowering, saying, oh, I don't have the strength to overcome these Midianites, it was me who said to him, look at who you are in me and my strength. I am the greater Gideon as well. We see that Jesus is the greater Solomon, the Solomon, the wisest man who lived. Jesus is the greater Solomon in that he has all the wisdom in human form to be given to us fully if we just ask for it. Jesus is the greater Jonah. As Jonah stayed in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so Jesus stayed in the belly of the earth three days and three nights, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Any part of a day was considered a day in Jewish thought in three days like Jonah did. And as Jonah came out and preached the gospel in Nineveh and revival broke out, so in Jesus' resurrection power, he infills the hearts of those who believe. And as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, revival breaks out and people are given new life and new form in every possible way. Jesus is the greater Boaz in the book of Ruth. As Ruth returned with no hope whatsoever, Boaz became her kinsman redeemer, paid the price to buy her into his family and loved her as his 
her husband for the rest of her life. Jesus is the greater Boaz. He is the kinsman redeemer for us, paying the price for the redemption of our sins to bring us as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, into a relationship with him where he promises to oversee us and live for us for his glory forever and ever. Jesus is the greater Nehemiah. As Nehemiah returned to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, connect the different houses with streets as Nehemiah made a new Jerusalem. So Jesus is the greater Nehemiah who comes to us, dies on the cross, is raised from the dead, ascends to heaven to come back to us, and then one day bring the new Jerusalem down to this earth where it will dwell in perfection in every possible way. Jesus is the greater Nehemiah. He's the greater Hosea as Hosea loved Gomer, and she went away from him and became a prostitute once again. So Hosea pursued her in great love and passion, forgave her of her sins and brought her back home to be his wife forever. Jesus is the greater Hosea. The word Hosea means Joshua. It's the word for Jesus. He's the greater Hosea who pursues us in our sins in our whoring against him as we run away from him. He continues to pursue us, to die on the cross, to forgive us of our sins and bring us back to the gift of eternal life. Not even to speak of the 300 prophecies that are in the Old Testament, fulfilled in specificity in Jesus. If you just have eight of those prophecies fulfilled in Jesus, the probability factor of that occurring is 10 to the 17th power. What is 10 to the 17th power? That means if you take the state of Texas and pile high three feet of gold coins, and then you're asked to go get one of those coins over all the state of Texas, pile three feet high, pick out one of those, and that's the one that's asked you to be picked out, and you do so, the probability factor of that coin being the one that you're told to pick out is 10 to the 17th power all of the old testament prophecies fulfilled in jesus himself what jesus is saying here is read the scriptures they all point to me moses he talked about me that's what's so powerful in what jesus is saying here as his fourth witness the scriptures are called to the stand and fifth and finally again he calls moses to the stand let me read these verses again Moses, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father, in verse 45. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus finally calls as his witness Moses. Moses, in the belief system of that day, oversaw the 613 laws that people had to follow in order to be righteous. And at the end of the day, the people knew they would appear before Moses, and Moses would be the great judge who would determine whether they had properly followed the 613 laws or not. And they hoped they had followed them just enough to get them into heaven. Moses is their accuser. And Jesus here is saying, let me let Moses speak. He's not the judge. I am the judge. And you're not going to be judged by your obedience to those 613 laws. You're going to be judged on, what do you think of me? Do you believe I'm the Son of God sent by the Father into the world to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? Moses is the fifth witness that Jesus calls. So Jesus gives five witnesses for the defense. They're powerful witnesses, aren't they? They should make all of us pause and go, Jesus made these ten claims about himself. He brings these five witnesses to prove his claims to be God. He must be God. What will you do with Jesus? Do you believe he was a mere mortal, just a prophet who lived life, taught us some good things? Or do you believe he's God's son who died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins to give you the gift of eternal life? That decision is yours. Those are the only two options. 
And by the way, before I close, let me say this. There's a sixth witness that Jesus wants to call. You know who that is? You and me. You and me. If Jesus called you right now to be on the witness stand to prove his divinity and what he's done in your life, here's a question for you. Would he call you? Second question, if he did, would the evidence in your life be enough to convince people that you are a true witness? What Jesus desires more than anything else in the world, dear friends, is that we are his witnesses, Acts 1-8. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost ends of the earth. In Charlotte, Mecklenburg County, the state of North Carolina, and all the world, we are called to be his witnesses. If you were called to be a witness for Jesus, would the evidence be enough to convict you that you are a true witness? Share Jesus with somebody this week. Invite somebody to Easter Sunday services. Please reach out to those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Our primary call in following Jesus is to reach other people with the gospel. As the Father sent the Son into the world, so the Son sends us into the world who follow him to help other people know the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. That's why the Father sent the Son. That's the primary calling of the church of Jesus, the primary calling of all of us who call ourselves his followers, his witnesses. Reach out to others. Share him. You're not responsible for the results. You are responsible for sharing like the lame man that I once couldn't walk for 38 years, but now I can. Share your story. Nobody can argue with that and see people begin to come to faith. Your life affecting somebody else's eternity. To Jesus alone and always belongs the glory. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for anybody right now who's been under the conviction through this message that you are who you said you are. You are the second person of the Godhead, God in human flesh, and that you came to this earth to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. If you are at that point but have never received Jesus, just simply pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I confess how I've messed up my life. I confess how I've hurt other people. Please forgive me of my sins and enter my heart. If you just prayed that, he'll come in. And the process of making you a fully-fledged follower of him has begun. Please trust him now. Give him your life and move for his glory. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about his latest Davidism, where he shares about dreaming big. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the Second Coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His Second Coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. 
End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us. Jen, it's a pleasure being with you and with all of our listeners. Well, today we're going to discuss the Davidism that you call Shoot for the Stars, which has to do with God-sized dreams. Can you unpack this Davidism for us? I can. It's from my dad. He used to say this to me all the time. You know, when I grew to be my present height around six feet, eight inches tall, and I began to fall in love with the game of basketball. I really had dreams to play at the collegiate level, but at six feet, five and a half inches tall, when I was a 10th grader, I weighed 155 pounds. <laughs> I mean, I heard every joke, turn sideways, stick out your tongue, look like a zipper. You know, you, you have to put the plug in the drain when you shower so you don't go down the drain with the water. You know, I heard all of those Shucks, awful skinny jokes. Harsh. I mean, they were terrible. But my dad just kept saying to me, son, shoot for the stars. And if you only get to the moon, you've never been to the moon before. Wow. He was trying to remind me to dream big hmm. dreams. And if you don't succeed, so what? You'll be in a place where you've never been before. I think God wants all of us to dream big dreams. In fact, he said that people perish when there is no vision, Proverbs 29, 18. A great example of this is Genesis 37. Note the big dreams that God gave Joseph, ones that eventually did come true, although it was 22 years later, Joseph had to wait on the Lord for those dreams to be fulfilled. But a life without a dream is just wandering. May I say that again, Jen? Yeah. A life without a dream is just wandering. Dream big, folks. Don't let fear dominate your life. Shoot for the stars. And if you only reach the moon, so what? Rejoice. You've never been to the moon before. <laughs> and maybe landing on the moon was God's dream for you. After all, that was the place where he wanted you all along. For no plan of God's can be thwarted. That's what God clearly says in Job 42, mm. too. Shoot for the stars. You may only reach the moon, but dear friends, you've never <laughs> been to the moon before. Isn't that good news? It's such good news, and it's so fun. It reminds me, honestly, I don't think I've shared this with you personally, David, before, but when I was a child, I would pretend like I was on the radio. Oh, really? When I had moments by myself, whether I was in timeout or whatever, <laughs> and really, I've held that as a dream in my heart. And what are we doing Here right you are. now? Here Listeners, are. <laughs> if you could just see this beautiful girl with the headphones on yes. and the microphone in front of her it's with amazing. this gift of gab that God's obviously given you, Jen. It's great to see oh, thank your you so much, David. moon fulfilled. <laughs> it really is incredible. It's in when I really relate to Joseph so much, and I have for the last several years, and, and literally... It was a 22-year period that I waited. Mm. Isn't that incredible? It is amazing. Exactly 22 years as well? Yes. Oh, my. Yes, the, yes. The, I'll tell the full story on a Hopecast maybe one day. That would be terrific. And I think all of our listeners need to be encouraged with that because a lot of people feel like their dreams are thwarted yeah. or at least on hold, mm -hmm. and they've waited 5, 10, 15, maybe 22 years. But it isn't over until God says it's over. That's right. And God is the one who's dreaming the dream through you. So if he's planted it in your heart like he did Joseph, it will be fulfilled. Wow. Our job is then just to wait and be faithful in the waiting for him to accomplish That's it. That's so good. That reminds me that the gifts and call on our lives are irrevocable. I love that term irrevocable. Mm. It just is one of God's strongest terms in the Bible. It just can't be revoked, can't be taken back. God gave it to you. It's yours to possess. 
don't ever try to give it back. It's yours. So so keep dreaming big dreams, folks. And I really want you all to do so because when you do so, God is in that dream and you can be used magnificently for him. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jen. And listeners, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can sign up daily for these written e-blasts from me, these Davidisms that'll arrive in your inbox at seven o'clock every morning, a way from my heart to yours, free of charge to give you a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to get your free video called The End Times. This is our gift, free for all of our Moments of Hope radio listeners. This informative teaching looks at what the Bible tells us about the end times. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, that's momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For all of us at Moments of Hope Church, this is Jen Houston. 